I looked at the notes here today and I thought, boy, I didn't get as far as I thought I did. I didn't get very far at all. So what we want to do with those that were not here last week, we also want to just quickly go ahead and go through uh, the, what we have covered very quickly for those that have not so that they can fill in very quickly and be caught up a little bit with the thinking and, and the route, the direction that this message is going. We thank you so much for your prayers. And uh, we had a, a wonderful week this week on Thursday. Um, charity, we put together what I called a trunk or treat. A uh, number of people there at the Church of Charity live in different areas uh, within the community. Uh, and uh, what we did is we took this terrible holiday. I, I don't know about you, but I, I do not like Halloween. I, I think Halloween is the worst holiday that America could, could ever think of. Such a holiday that's dreary and bleak with no hope, death, anguish, and despair. Uh, nothing, nothing good about Halloween. I can't find anything good about Halloween. But what we wanted to do is take this dreadful, dreadful season and, and put a little bit of joy into it. And so what we did is I wrote up a little track with the gospel in it, as well as introducing the church with some uh, information about the coming uh, Christmas cantata that's coming up on the 22nd. And then we also got a set of tracks, um, trillion dollar bills and, and even a, a thousand dollar bill that was about uh, 12 inches long and about six inches wide, this huge thousand dollar bill. And uh, we passed those out in a trunk or treat parked there in the, in the community and we passed those out to the kids. And uh, we passed out right around a hundred <clears throat> of those tracks introducing the church. So, so pray that this dreadful, dreadful time of the season had brought some good news to those who need some hope. And uh, so we're praying that we'll see some results of that. And uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful opportunity. We went to two different locations. And uh, uh, one, one of the uh, teenagers, uh, I said, would you like a $1,000 bill? And I showed it to him. And he reached in his pocket. Yeah, hey, I'll give you this for it. And he pulled out a uh, package of drugs that, uh, oh, my. <laughs> he said, I'll trade you for that, for this. Oh, no, no, I don't want that. But you can have this. <laughs> and uh, Paul, Paul Smith said that his, his parents knows what he's doing and just can't do anything about it and very, very disheartened over it. And how sad that is to, to see a young man that's just so involved and, and open about it, willing to share with everybody that he's got it and uh, using it and uh, how, how sad that is. And that's certainly a picture of the no hope and dreary and, and anguish that we find in the world today. And uh, we, we just want to spread some good news and, and some hope. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord in word of prayer as we get started here today on why creation. Why creation? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray for Desert Hills Baptist Church and for those who, who are sick today, not feeling well. Father, I pray that you will put your hand upon them and, and heal their bodies. Give them the strength that they need uh, for a long week coming up. And, and I know it's a, a cold and dreary time change and everything going on and, and people are tired. And, and uh, we, we just pray that you will strengthen them and, and guide them. We, we pray for those that, that could be here in church but aren't for, for some reason. Father, I just pray you'll convict them and, and uh, 
uh, ju- just give them a sense of I, I, I should have gone, I, I should have been there. And, and, and Father, just stir their heart that they'll never miss again, that they'll realize the mistake that they made and, and that certainly this is where they need to be. And uh, Father, I just pray you'll convict them and, and uh, uh, ju- just put a sense of urgency in their hearts and minds and help them to realize the uh, where, where they need to be. And Father, we'll certainly praise you for it. Father, draw, uh, direct our thoughts here tonight as we look at your word and just stir our hearts and, and realize the, the importance of creation, the importance of the fall, the importance of the Savior who came and, and died for our sin. And Father, we'll certainly praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, last week, quickly, we looked at why creation, spoken by God, or evolved by chance. Did it just happen? Uh, I like to give reference to the fact that I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. I, I was created by God. And that, that is such a, such a comfort and uh, certainly stirs my heart. Uh, as you look at the world around us, thinking that we're just a mistake. We're an accident. And that's what the world thinks. That's what the, 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 only, the only conclusion they can come up with. I'm a mistake. I'm an accident. I mean, what, what, what good is life? What, why live? What, why go on? And uh, certainly you can see it in the world today and the despair and the gloom and, and uh, all fits together with this terrible holiday called, called Trick or Treat. Let's look here at, first of all, the foundation of creation. We looked at creation in six literal days. That it is six literal days. It's not six billion years or six thousand years. It's six literal days. And I shared uh, last week that there are three flags in the Hebrew that tell you that when it says that it's a, a literal day, that's exactly what it means. The, the Hebrew word for day could refer to, to uh, the days of Noah. could refer to more than just one day. The Hebrew word can. And so that's why people come along and say, well, that's not just one day, that's a thousand years. Well, there are three flags to tell us that it's literally a 24-hour period. And those three, three flags are if you ever find the word morning or the word evening or the word number next to the word day, you know that it's a 24-hour period. There, there's just no doubt about it. There, there's no way to get around it. As soon as you go from one morning to the other, that's a 24-hour period. That, you know that that's a day. And God uses it and tells us that three times... Three times every single day of creation that it is a 24-hour period. You can't get around it. And then defeating the gap theory. The gap theory says that there is a gap of a thousand or a million, billions of years between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And looking at the gap theory, the definition of it, and then we looked at the context does not leave room for a gap. Exodus 20 verse 11 tells us that everything that was created was good. And uh, it certainly wouldn't be good if, if there's a bunch of dead things buried uh, under layers of sediment under the earth. That, that's just impossible. And, of course, in Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us that when Adam uh, chose to sin, that's when death, disease, despair, and gloom came into the world. And so here's clear teachings of Genesis chapter 131 that everything is good. The doctrine of sin taught in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore is by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We've all sinned against God, and the Bible clearly teaches us that when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, that is when death, despair, and disease came into the world, all because of sin. 
the defeating the also the day-age theory. And uh, we looked at the definition of the day-age theory. People say as a thousand years is one day and one day a thousand years. They get the idea, well, that doesn't that mean that creation took a thousand years? So there's six thousand years instead of six days. Uh, creation on day three tells us that God created the plant life. But then on day four, God created the, the sun and the moon and the stars. And so, so that means that those plants that were created, they, 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 they lived for a thousand years in the dark. <laughs> that, that's, that's next to impossible, right? That just won't happen. But uh, that's what people believe. And there's the definition and, and the uh, theme that certainly you can tell. Then, then the question today that we asked of last week, and that is where did Cain get his wife? Even in the uh, scope trials, they were discussing this and they could not give them an answer. Uh, where did Cain get his wife? Well, first of all, we know that, that wherever Cain got his wife, we know where, but wherever Cain got his wife, it had to have come from Eve because, uh, because Cain's, the Word of God shared with us that he married a woman who is a woman from Adam. And uh, we used, the, first of all, the first man, Romans 5.12, the last man, Adam. And so we know that, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of Adam. So it absolutely had to have come from, from Adam, and uh, the Word of God shares with us that certainly that it was one of Adam's daughters and would have been Cain's sister. And we looked at that, and we also looked at the fact that we're all from one blood, that we're not, uh, uh, there are no uh, other races. There's just one race, and it's called the human race. And we looked at these two uh, diagrams when it came to um, Adam and to Eve, and that we all came from Adam and Eve, and there's no way around it. And I shared a, a testimony or, or an illustration of a man who a preacher told him that the black race was created at the Tower of Babel, our Tower, Tower of Babel. And I told him, well, you're being deceived because we're all from Adam and we're all from Eve. And, uh, and if you are not from Adam, Christ didn't die for your sin because Christ died for the sins of Adam. So that, that leaves them with quite a predicament. That is a problem. So we want to now look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, if you turn your Bible there, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And uh, this is where we closed last week. Romans. We want to look at Romans chapter 1, because here in Romans chapter 1, we find a very powerful portion of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. And we want to look at, the first step here, is the consequences of creation. Consequences of creation. The Bible shares with us that, yes, God did create this world. The Lord Jesus Christ created all. He spoke and everything came into existence. And the Bible shares with us here in Romans chapter 18, and I want our Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them that God had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We want to look at, first of all, creation shows his invisible attributes, that he is all-powerful, that his eternal power 
and also his Godhead. But number four is, it also shows his condemnation of sinful man. The Bible tells us that creation itself will send an individual to hell for eternity. Now think about it. People have asked the question, well, what about those people in in distant lands? Well, let's think about Africa. You've got a tribe in Africa who's never heard the gospel before. If they have never heard the gospel, they've never heard the name of Jesus even mentioned, and they stand before God, lost, condemned, and headed for hell, would God send them to hell? Yes. And here's the proof. Creation itself, creation itself condemns them for eternity. That's why creation is so important to realize that it didn't just happen. God created it. Creation itself will condemn a man to hell for eternity, even though he's never heard the name of Jesus, even though he's never heard of the God who created the world, he will go to hell for eternity because of creation itself. Now, I believe with all my heart that if a man who is out there in the midst of nowhere never heard of anything If he were to say, God, reveal yourself to me, I believe with all my heart, he'll send somebody to let them know the truth of the gospel. That if they realize there is a God and creation itself claims it. And you know, I I know that there are many missionaries going around the world today. And it's hard to imagine somebody who's never heard some form of the gospel somewhere. But uh, it's possible. But yet creation itself will condemn that man to hell for eternity. That's powerful, to realize that creation tells us that there is a God and it condemns a soul for eternity. And some people think, well, it's not important. Well, creation is important. First of all, to realize the fall. I mean, if man doesn't know that there's a problem, he he won't seek a solution. If somebody has a fatal disease and he's looking for a solution and someone comes up, hey, I've got the answer here, here's the remedy. Well, the same thing with with salvation. If man doesn't realize there's a problem, if he doesn't realize he's lost, condemned, and headed for hell, and that's what Genesis chapter, chapter 3 tells us about the fall and that man is a sinner, that he's headed to hell. And when he realizes, hey, I've got a problem, and God demands a change, and then he realizes, I have a need, and how can this need be answered? Where is the answer? Where is the solution? And the solution is in the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, they realize, and, and this just hit me with a, like, like a ton of bricks, to realize creation is important. To realize that, yes, God did create this world, and that man is condemned for eternity in hell by creation itself. Creation itself declares that there is a God, and they're answerable to him. Next, I want to share with you the firmament above and uh, th- this is just in- incredible. What, what I want to do is, is to reveal the fact that, that we serve an awesome God. He is an awesome God. He is a great God. And uh, I want to uh, uh, invite you to take your Bible, turn it to Isaiah chapter 40. Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastic, Song of Psalm, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Because here in Isaiah chapter 40, we find these words. Isaiah Chapter 40, and verse 11. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 40, I'm sorry, verse 12. Isaiah 40, verse 12 says, 
Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? That, that is just incredible to realize that, that God has measured the, the heavens by the span of his hand, from the tip of his thumb to the end of the longest finger in your hand. It, the span, he, he measures, he measures the, the, the galaxies and the heavens that we look at. He takes the oceans, and have you ever taken your hand and, and, and laid it flat, and you got this little hollow spot in your hand right here. And, and you could hardly, I mean, you could put a dot or a drop or two of water in there, and pretty soon it's, it's going to fall out of the palm of your hand. But God has measured the oceans that are in this world today in the hollow of his hand. And then he takes these mountains, the mountains just outside of Albuquerque, and he puts them in a scale. He can tell you how much those mountains weigh. I like to give testimony to the fact that, that God knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. He knows how many hairs are on the top of my head. And I like to tell people that I am a living example that God knows how to subtract. Right? Sure. God knows everything. There isn't anything that God does not know. And, and as we look at this world around us, the firmament that we see in the sky, I, I like this. First of all, the moon rotates around the earth and a month is made. You realize that the moon, I, I had a cousin who, who believed that, that the moon was the only thing moving. The earth didn't move at all. But you see, the moon, the moon rotates. That gives us our days. But the moon also, or excuse me, the, 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 the sun, as the earth rotates, the, the sun comes around. And, and in any case, the moon rotates around the earth and a month is made. The, the earth rotates around the sun and a year is made. I've had someone tell me, I don't know how true this is, it wasn't a scientist, it was another preacher, he made the statement that the sun rotates around something too and we have no idea what it is. So he made the statement, we have absolutely no idea where we are. So if you say, I don't know where I am, you're right. We don't, we have no idea where we are. But, but in any case, a year is made. Here we have um, Antarius, and uh, this is in, in, the, in the, um, the constellation Scorpio or scorpion. Let me share with you a picture here. We have here a, a picture of Antarius, right here. And Antarius, and right here is Betelgeuse that we're going to look at next. But if you look way down here, see that little dot right there? That is our sun. It, it, it's, not our, it's not our earth. It's our sun. Could you imagine that, how small? I mean, that's a little itty-bitty dot. That's about the size of that little red dot right next to it. But there's our sun. And look how large Betelgeuse and Antarius is. Now, Antarius is in the, um, the uh, Scorpio. And if you look right here, this is Antarius right here. Scorpio is located, it's in the southwest end. In fact, you could possibly see it tonight if you go out. I'm not sure. It might be down already. But this, this is, is Scorpius or Scorpion, and it's in the southwest corner. And uh, you can look at it. You can see the two claws here. Here's, here's the stinger back here. And it's awesome to look at. But, but that star right there is so huge. And you can see it in comparison to our sun. And then also there's Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is in the Orion. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the Orion. The Orion is, is, is uh, straight, straight east of us, and it comes up at night, and uh, about a month ago was, it, you could finally see it about 
10, 11 o'clock at night. Caleb, as he's going to sleep, he likes to look at it. And uh, the Orion, this is as you look at Beetlejuice, and this is amazing. Beetlejuice is twice the size of our, our Earth's rotation around the sun. So if our sun was in the middle of Betelgeuse, Earth would be right here. If our sun was in the middle of Antares, if, if, our, if the sun, our sun was in the middle of Antares, Earth would be right about here. That is huge. Huge. And this is the Orion. And Betelgeuse is located in the upper left corner of the Orion. It's right here. Here's Betelgeuse. And that is twice the size of our rotation around the sun. Our God is awesome. We serve an awesome God. And he measures this by the span of his hand. And then also earth. We find it in the Milky Way. Here's a picture that I typed in, the Milky Way. And uh, there, I guess this is supposed to be the sun right here in the middle. I'm not sure. But this is supposed to be thousands of light years away, but uh, we serve an awesome God. He's an awesome God, and uh, he, he, He's a God that, that we can never explain, but He created all this. He created this, and, and, and isn't He worthy to serve? But not only is He interested in, in, in the things that are huge and large, but He's also interested in the finite, finite facts. Here's some information. Number one, DNA called information. And uh, information is so important because, you know, information declares that, it, that, that its intelligence is involved here. It's not just something that just happens, right? I've been told that the DNA in our bodies will fill the local library here in Albuquerque several times. I mean, it, it's, it's, and if anything is missing there's no way that life can continue on. DNA. Also, paper in the woods with writing on it. If you, if you go out into the woods and uh, you think, well, absolutely nobody's been here before. I remember going out hunting in South Dakota and you walk along and, and you're in the middle of nowhere and you think, boy, I bet you nobody has been here for, for I mean, this, this is, a, and you look down and there's a can on the ground. You know, or you take another step and there's a gravel road that goes through and, and you realize, oh, that's nah, not as well. But if you go into the woods and you find this piece of paper with writing on it, you know that that piece of paper that somebody with intelligence, first of all, has made the paper out of wood. Secondly, has figured out how to take a pencil and, and write and, and, and the information on there, you can understand. That means intelligence. Well, when you look around the world, at the world around us today, there's information. There's intelligence there, right? You, you, cannot, you cannot get past that. For instance, a rocky mountain. Now, I'm not talking about the Rockies. I'm just talking about a rocky mountain. If you look at a mountain like this, this mountain here has been, I, this picture was probably taken over 100 years ago, of course. But as you look at this picture, would you think, as you look at that picture, over hundreds of years, if you have rain, lightning, storms, and everything like that, do you think with all that lightning, with all those storms, snowstorms, and, and uh, thunder, and, and rain, and hell, with all this going on, do you think that this could happen? It couldn't, could it? No. There's information there, right? There's information. 
You've got George Washington, Ham, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, and, 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 and there's information there. You, you understand that that didn't just happen. So why do we look at the world around us today and say, well, that just happened. No, there's information there. And if there's information there, there's got to be intelligence. There's got to be. But yet the world looks at it and says, no, no, it, it just happened. No, this didn't just happen. There was a man with intelligence that knew how to do it, and, and they took a scale, and they measured it out, and, and uh, figured out uh, the, how, to, how to sculpt this face, and then they took uh, 60 times, and, and they developed it on the mountain, and put, put a drop line up there, and showed where the nose goes, and the eyes, and the mouth, and, and uh, you probably heard the Borglum story, right? All the things that took place in, in, in Mount Rushmore. And what a wonderful place that it is, remembering where America was, is, and what it can become. They are trying to tell me that they're going to put Obama's face up there, but I don't think they'll do that. Then they'll have the first president and the last one, right, Pastor? Yeah. In any case, information there. It's got to show intelligence. And we see the intelligence through the information that, that in the smallest of details, smallest of details, I want to share with you about laminin. Laminin is, is uh, something that's uh, uh, very, very small, but yet the first time I saw it, right away, I thought of Jesus. Right away, I thought, you know, the Bible tells us, and let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says this who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. The Bible shares with us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. You know, when, when I think of the cell, the human cell, you've got electrons, protons, and neutrons. And uh, people tell me that, that when you try to put those things together, that naturally they'll just fall apart. They just explode. And so I believe what Jesus does is he just simply holds all things together. And all he has to do is speak. And this world will literally fly apart. And uh, some people think, oh, that could happen right now. I mean, dreary and things. Oh, no, no. Let, let me tell you something. If, some, if Christ were to return today, this world will still exist for 1,007 years. It will. It will still exist that long. But God is one day is going to speak, and this world is going to fly apart. But the first time I saw laminin, right away I thought of Jesus. And this is why. That's what laminin looks like. Laminin actually holds us all together, the smallest particle, and... Uh, Looks like three little arms there. Doesn't it almost look like a cross? Laminin. Jesus. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He's not only an awesome God and can measure the world with the span of his hand, but he's also interested in the most intricate part of our lives. Some people say, God's not interested in me. He's not interested in my life, but I want to share with you, he is interested in our lives, every part of our lives. Some people think, well, you can just do whatever you want to do. It really doesn't matter because God knows, yes, he is very interested in every part of our lives and uh, holds it all together by the strength of his power. 
laminin. What a thing to think about. The application today, you know, as you think about creation and you think about God holding all things together and you think about His power and how great He is, you wonder, well, how can we use this? How, 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 how do we use this information to reach people's lives? Well, let's look here at the faithful application. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, there is a verse. It says, the cross, a stumbling block. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and chapter 1. And we want to look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. When you think of this word, this verse, it says, but we preach Christ crucified, yes. Unto the Jews it is a stumbling block, but unto the Greeks it is foolishness. It's, it's, it's almost like, like um, uh, two trails. You, you have one trail headed here, east and west, and the Jews are walking on it. And as the Jews are walking along, they come upon the cross and they stumble over it. They think, hey, Jesus isn't who that they say that he is. He's really not the Son of God. And they reject it. Kind of like Paul, who said, no, Jesus isn't the Son of God. And earnestly, and, and thinking that, that he's doing the work of God, he, he, he was persecuting the saints, taking the lives of Christians, and he was walking along this trail, and he stumbled over the cross. Jesus really isn't who he says that. This isn't the Son of God. You're wrong. I remember in Israel, uh, I had the opportunity. I went to a kibbutz there in Israel as we toured the land and enjoyed it. And, and uh, I was talking to one of the young men there. I, I said, yeah, Israel is precious. And he looked at me and said, oh, you think so? I said, oh, yes. You, you're God's chosen people. And uh, I shared with him several, several things, and he said, wow, that's exciting. And then I said, but do you realize that Jesus is the Messiah? And he looked at me and said, oh, you're wrong. No way. No, he, he's not the Messiah. You're, you're wrong. You are wrong. And he walked away. Because the cross to them is a stumbling block. They trip over it. But now the Gentiles, they're going north and south. They're headed north or they're headed south. And they come along, and they look down the trail, and they say, the oh, that is foolishness and they just keep going well the question is is how do you deal with those two types of people with the jews they realize that god is created they realize their sin but jesus is not the answer so you deal with them differently right the same thing with the greeks the greeks though you really have to deal with them differently they don't even believe in creation they don't believe in a god they don't believe that god created this world it is foolishness so you got to work with them differently You've got to use creation in a different way. And so what we're going to do here in, in this is look at two different messages found in the Word of God that shares with us just how those two different views were handled. What the Jews, Jews already believe. First of all, the Jews already believe in Yahweh, that He is the one true God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22. If you turn there to Acts... Here in Acts chapter 2, we know that this is Pentecost. And we have three different groups of people. 
First of all, we have the Jews that live in the land, that live there at the temple and they worship him. Secondly, you have other Jews that traveled from the area or traveled to the area to worship and, and, and to be there. The third group are Gentiles who were converted into Jews, converted into, into believing as the Jews do. So these three groups of people, first of all, the Jehovah, that Jehovah, Yahweh, was the one true God. That God was the lawgiver. They believed in Genesis. They believed that God was the one who gave the Ten Commandments. And we know the Ten Commandments, one God and only one God. Thou shalt not worship any other God. Commandment number two. Number three, watch your words. Number four, honor the Sabbath day. Number five, obey parents, honor parents. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, to remain pure, a virgin uh, before God. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, no, no lying or, or deceiving. And number ten, no gimme gimme, no, no coveting. And so they understood the law. They, they knew what the law was. And that Adam fell. They believed, yeah, Adam fell. And because of his fall, all men are sinners. <laughs> and, 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 and death, disease, and corruption has come into the world. And last of all, letter D, that sin had a penalty. That penalty was death. That penalty was separation from God for all eternity. But what they didn't understand and what they did not believe, though, who was Jesus? Look at this, what the Jews needed to know. First of all, they needed to know that Jesus Christ is their creator. That Jesus Christ is the one who spoke and all things came into existence. He is creator, and we can believe in him. Secondly, or, or letter B, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the one who came to die for the sins of the world and to die for their sin. And that Jesus paid the price for their sin. That's what they needed to know. That's what they needed to learn. And that is exactly, exactly what Peter did. He shared with them the truth in the book of Acts. Let me look at it. See where I am. Acts chapter 2. Let me jump back. Acts 2, 22 through 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, says this. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him, in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. There, verse 22, it shares with us that Jesus Christ proved he was God. He raised the dead, caused the blind to see, caused the deaf to hear. He, he, he revealed to them he is God. He is the eternal one. And it shares with us here that, that by wicked hands they've slain him. They crucified the Son of God, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my son in, in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the 
patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did seek corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are his witnesses. He shared with them the hope. You put Christ to death. You put him on the cross. I call this ready aim evangelism. He confronted them. He came out before them and confronted them and said, You put Christ to death. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And He died for your sin. And what are you going to do about it? He knew their failures and where they fall short, that Christ was a stumbling block, and He shared with them the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to look at the stumbling block, or not the stumbling block, but the foolishness and how they had rejected and another message that's clearly taught. God is who He says that He is. And He's given us hope. And that hope comes through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for the Word of God and for how we can read it and to see how powerful that it is. Father, I pray that we leave awestruck, realizing how awesome our God is, that we can rejoice in you and realize that you're not dead. We have hope in a Savior that's alive. And we thank you for Peter, who so clearly preached the gospel to the Jews at Pentecost and confronted them about their need of a Savior and the fact that they crucified the Son of God, the one that they've been longing for, the one that they've been waiting for. The message was so clear. Thousands came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, often we wonder, why don't we see that response today? Sometimes it's because of the way that we present the gospel. Sometimes we don't, first of all, share the need. Help them to realize that, yeah, God did create this world. It didn't just happen. People look at the cross as foolishness. They walk away from it, thinking this isn't for them. Father, I pray that, that certainly we can see how we can use the gospel in such a powerful way that people will see that, yes, this is for me, and I do need to respond to it. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, and I pray, Father, that certainly this has stirred our hearts as we look forward to another week serving you. Use this for your glory, and Father, I pray that we'll even be able to use these things that we've learned today in a way of witnessing to others that we meet every day. And Father, we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.